Hello, and welcome to the Vitality Women Leading Audaciously podcast. I am Jennifer Helene, CEO of Purposeful Ventures, devoted to naturally innovative solutions for the realignment of humanity. We believe that stories connect us, dismantling the illusion of separation, causing healing. This interview will be 20 to 30 minutes long, and I look forward to sharing on Common Ground. Hello and welcome to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Today, our guest is Nadine Hack. She is an author. She is a, um, you gave me the three words and now I'm, I'm losing them. She is an author. She is um, a coach and she's um, writing a book called about connection. So she's also a connector. So I know I just completely uh, jumbled that and I apologize, but I'd love for That's you to tell fine. us <laughs> about yourself. <For> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm the CEO of a company called Because Global Consulting. And while we provide the full spectrum of management, consulting, organizational change development, leadership development, our real niche, what we're known for around the world is connecting. Connecting people to their own core mission, connecting organizations to their own core mission, connecting within organizations, like breaking down the silos and, and making more uh, leveraging the power of what's within an organization and connecting outside of organizations to partners, vendors, suppliers, clients, um, and even adversarial. Um, the TEDx talk that I did is called Adversaries to Allies. And it's about how you build the bridges to get diverse people to be able to talk to each other and listen to each other. In, um, and our, my, the sister not-for-profit of my company is called Global Citizen Circle. And it has been since 1974, convening people of extremely diverse backgrounds, intergenerational, cross-sectoral, different regions of the world, nationalities, religions, races, political perspectives, to discuss current hot topics, difficult conversations in civil discourse with the aim of collectively coming up with sustainable solutions to our world's problems. I mean, this is, this is really big. I mean, this, you know, you've probably been in some pretty volatile conversations with people who yeah. would want to maybe even kill each other, you know, like people who really are having, you know, and are leaders, it sounds like as well. Yeah, yeah. We've had Republicans and Democrats in the United States have dialogue about issues. Um, we've had people from different backgrounds more recently talking about critical race theory, which has been a highly polarizing uh, issue. We've had people from Northern Ireland, Protestants and Catholics. We've had people from South Africa, uh, pre -apart during apartheid and post apartheid. We've had people um, really throughout the world come together. And I, I feel my role is to help people see what to me is so obvious that we have so much more in common than 
what we than what's different about us and and yeah. we, we are each totally unique and we and honor that uniqueness it doesn't mean we have to become the same it doesn't mean we have to believe the same it just means that if we can respectfully approach each other yeah. then there's a chance we can learn we can grow we can help solve issues and also that's why i'm so interested in cross-sectoral uh partnerships because no one sector on its own government, business, civil society, academia, mm -hmm. can solve the problem, anything, because everybody has their strength and everybody has their blind spots. So I'm a real believer that the, ho the whole is always greater than the sum of the parts. And the more that you can bring people together to cooperate, to at least listen and possibly learn, and then ideally lead, that the greater the likelihood that we can make this a more just, a more sustainable, a healthier world for everybody. Absolutely. And Nadine, how did you get into this? Like, you know, what, what led to this? I mean, it certainly didn't happen overnight. You know, like what, what were kind of the building blocks along your path that, that yeah. led to this interest and then the actual ability for you to engage? So it's really interesting because I almost feel like I came into the world with this wiring. Mm. Um, my, one of my earliest memories, I, I happen to be Russian Jewish. My husband is Irish Catholic. <laughs> we were married by uh, Desmond Tutu, an Anglican who performed the ceremony in Kosa. So, you know, I'm very mm. ecumenical, even in my own immediate family. Mm. Um, it, when I was five in Hebrew school, I was taught that the Jews were the chosen people. Right. And I found that idea profoundly disturbing. Hmm. And it was, at, it was at Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, which are the Jewish high holidays. Mm -hmm. And the teacher was explaining about how you know, if you prayed and repented during the 10 days between whatever bad things you had done the, the year before could be wiped clean, yeah, you know, a kind right. of karmic. Yeah, yeah. And I raised my hand and I said, well, what about all the Gentiles? Because at that point in my life, I didn't know Buddhist, Hindu, <laughs> Confucianist, uh, or even the different right. denominations of Christianity. I only knew Jew, Gentile. So what about the Gentiles? They don't know that they're supposed to be praying and forgiving people for right. things that they've done. Yeah. And she said, oh, Natana, that's my Hebrew name. Natana, don't worry about that. We're the chosen people. <laughs> and so wow. I went home yeah. and in synagogue, this was my five-year-old prayer. God, I'm praying for all the Gentile families in the world because they don't know that they're supposed to be doing this. So it's not their fault. The Jewish families are okay because they know what they're supposed to be doing, but the Gentiles don't. So don't blame them. So, I mean, where did that come from? Right. And then as I grew older, I became very, very involved in political activism at quite a young age, like mm. 12 years. And I had the privilege of working with Shirley Chisholm and Bella Abzug. And Shirley Chisholm is the first black woman who ran for president of the United States. But I worked with her when she ran for her very first um, 
like state assembly race in 1964. Mm -hmm. And I worked with Della Abzug in Women's Strike for Peace. You know, it was about the time of the Vietnam War. Right. And what the two of them taught me, they were my mentors, was that issues of sexism, racism, classism, and militarism are inextricably interconnected. Mm. And what, what, today's, what today we call intersectionality, you know, like environmentalists helping people who are fighting for access to health and education and vice versa. And so at a pretty young age, that was kind of my foundational um, motivation. And I just kept doing it. I, I, I kept doing it through political organizing, through social justice organizing, through the different jobs that I've held. I've worked at the United Nations. I've worked in academia. I've mm -hmm. worked in business and government. I, I've, 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 I've had a very, I've had a, a very nonlinear life and a very multifaceted life. Interesting. So interesting. And I love how it roots right down to your, your core of who you, who you are uh, at age five. And, yeah. you know, I too have been really, I, so my father, I come from um, a Jewish and Christian family growing up and I, and I never really thought about it as the basis of my curiosity about human behavior and the common ground. Cause when I turned 18 and I moved to New York, I spent all my free time in the theology library just around the corner mm -hmm. from my agency. And I was so preoccupied with the question of why, why these wars would be fought. Yeah. You know, if, if everyone believes in God, then why would people be fighting about it? And so that's when I dove deeply into Sufism, Confucianism, Taoism, Taoism, mm -hmm. Taoism, even Judaism, because mm -hmm. my father, my father's side was Jewish, um, like Ashkenazi. I don't know if you'd call that Russian, really, but it's, you know, yes, Ashkenazi, yeah. and um, and so it's interesting. I never really correlated that to you were telling your story because I, too, am very preoccupied with the humanity of humanity. And understanding that, you know, and as you, you know, I've traveled all over the world and I know that humans are, are, are seeking the same things, but, but something yeah. about the human heart, irrespective of race, creed, or religion. It's so true. I mean, everybody wants their family to be healthy, happy, safe, secure, have housing, be able to eat, be able to play. Mm -hmm. I mean, it. it you know, we're so, it, there's such fundamental human desires and everybody wants to be connected, you know, whether it's in a family unit, whether it's in a tribal unit, a community, a, a, a religious affiliation, the difficulty comes when people use those affiliations as barriers mm. and they us good, everybody else bad. You know, why, why do you think they do that? What do you think is the root cause of that behavior in and of itself? I think that it's fear and that the kind of rise of um, nativist populism, exclusionary populism, divisive populism, plays on people's fears and so they just fear. don't know it's fear and and the shift is going from fear-based motivation to love love-based motivation 
heartfelt recognizing that, well, I may not know you, you may not be directly related to me, but actually in this world where every molecule of air travels everywhere, as we've just seen COVID, pandemics, climate change, do not respect nation states. They certainly don't respect individual communities. They travel freely. And that's always been the case. So ideas have traveled freely. Right. It's interesting. You know, when you think about the mythologies of different cultures, I don't know if you've ever read any of Joseph Campbell's of stuff. Of course, or, all of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, the premise is that every single culture on earth comes up with these same archetypal stories. Yeah. Like, like cultures that were so uh, geographically disparate and, and nowhere, they, they, there's no way that they could have learned it from each other, but it, it came up right. from them as a way of sense-making and meaning. Mm, right. Whether you're in China, whether you're in uh, Greece, whether you're in India, right. Africa. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the fear base is the kind of, it's why I think the Star Wars franchise has been so wildly successful globally, mm-hmm. because throughout all of human history, there have been voices for openness, compassion, kindness. I mean, it, when you think about it, every single religious tr- uh, tract, you know, has the golden rule as it's essential, you know, take in the stranger, feed the hungry. Right. And and at the same time that there's always been those voices, there's always been the voices of what I call darkness and division, like territorial, me, you know, it's it's a finite, if if I give anything away to anybody, I lose something. Yeah, and that's the fear, yeah, that you were talking about. and, and those voices have always been there. And so I feel like my role is to be one of the voices of light and to amplify whoever is creating light. It's why I was drawn to you and the work you do, because you, you amplify light and love and, and Thank health. You. Thank you. Yes. And, and so I'm thinking back to the very nature of it, right? So it exists. We know it as part of human behavior. It comes from the affliction of greed. Um, from power, right? And, and at the base yeah. of all of those afflictions is, I agree, fear. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like when you observe your children, because I know you're a mother, mother of four, you said, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we, before the children develop their ego, you know, when they first, when they still refer to themselves in the third person, which I, it's such a, mm-hmm. such a sweet thing. Um, and there is a kind of fearlessness before that frontal cortex gets fully developed and it is uh, it's quite beautiful to see, actually. Um, and fear is just part of the human condition. And so what are the um, healing factors of this connectivity that you have found? Mm-hmm. So first, let me clarify something about my family. Uh, my husband is 15 years older than I. Okay. He married the first time extremely young. He had five children in six years. I bow down to his first wife, blessed be her memory. Um, Because anybody who does that is amazing. But when I met and married him, he had four late teens, one early 20. And um, so they were already individuated, 
college and um, but I worked very hard at creating my own personal relationship with each of his young adult children. Nice. And by the time they got married and started to have children, and so we have six grandchildren, there it was like granddad and grandma. It wasn't like granddad and Nadine. It was, you know, nice. I was there from the beginning. So Beautiful. um and I threw myself into grandmotherhood because I hadn't biologically carried children and I hadn't done that kind of day-to-day -day raising. You know, I was at every, you know, cross-country ski race and horse jumping oh and birthday parties. And but Hanukkah just for the folks parties. listening, this is like typical stuff for the area that she lives in, in Switzerland and Lutri. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was so ironic. Like when I, when I saw that she, when I, when I connected with her, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I know Lutri. And so that the activities <laughs> she's, she's describing are things that you do in Lutri. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. And they're things that I did with my grandchildren. So I never let more than a few weeks go by where I didn't, I wasn't fully, fully engaged. And I read all the child development books that you oh would usually become a parent when wow. I became a grand. And I was really struck because I was watching cartoons with my grandchildren. Oh, and yeah. I was really struck by how every single cartoon Every male character was chiseled jaw, charging forward with a sword, purposeful, focused, strong. And every female character was like purple, sparkly, ditzy, save me. And I was so horrified mm -hmm. that they were absorbing these cultural messages pre-verbally. Mm -hmm. It was really shocking wow, to me. Yeah, that is shocking. Yeah. That is shocking. Um, but you but, find but that children who aren't find... even exposed to that also are still in this, it's a human condition to have greed and fear and to want power, right? The development of the ego. And, and the kind of patriarchal society that is pretty much global mm -hmm. in which you absorb these messages by osmosis before you're even like consciously thinking. Right. And whenever yeah. there's, whenever there's like a problem in the connection, connective tissue in our bodies, um, yeah. we feel it, we feel pain, we get inflammation, the body tries to heal right. itself, brings, sends an army of, you know, inflammatory response and, and the T cells action. Right. So, so we have these connect connections in our bodies, the myelinian sheath in our nervous system. Right. So when that connection is disrupted, we have a, a whole host of, you know, problems with ALS and MS, you know, that's kind of what happens. Exactly. So when we disconnect in our physical body, um, yeah. you know, there, there are issues. And so also in relationships, I think there's no separation between the natural phenomena um, that we see outside of ourselves and also inside of ourselves, but also energetically in relationships. And this is like your sweet spot, this connection. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we are so vibrationally connected to everything and everybody, whether we're conscious of it or not. And the way you describe the fascia and that, you know, all the different parts of the body that get inflamed when we're not in harmony, right. when we're at dis-ease mm -hmm. are exactly applicable, whether you're talking about an immediate family, like a, a, a nuclear family dynamic, or you're talking about, you know, two different groups of people, a, a minority group and a majority group within any given 
country or you're even you're talking about people in different beelines in the same you know corporation when we view them as other mm. and 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 more importantly i think before we can actually fully connect to another person we have to really fully connect to ourselves mm -hmm. so like you i've done an enormous amount of work over many decades mm -hmm. you know work that spans the spectrum you know from healing you know indigenous top of the mountain in a sweat lodge drumming to you know psychotherapy to everything in between right um, i love it me too oh. because um i i experienced trauma when i was young mm -hmm. and many people experience trauma and even people who haven't had particularly personally traumatic experience are part of an ecosystem that has a lot of trauma sure. in it sure yeah. and and I kind of initially, when I was very young and I didn't yet have the coping mechanisms, I just compartmentalized uh -huh. and I, you know, disassociated and pressed down the bad things. And, and as I've grown and I see my healing journey as a lifelong process, Absolutely. like I'm going to be at this until I'm in whatever happens next after you're buried. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be at this forever. Because you can always go deeper and you can always go broader. Yes. And, um, and in the process, I learned how to, inter to own my wholeness to like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Like to embrace all of it. Because if I didn't, it's like, it's like, um, a pressure cooker without the steam valve. Yeah, it's you know, it's it seeps out. It's either going to implode or explode. Yeah, yeah, it seeps out. You can't, yeah, you can't avoid it. Mm -hmm. you can. So you so you have to walk through the pain. Yeah. To get to the healing and the light and the freedom. You know, it, on a body level, on a mind level, and we know that they're so connected integrally connected yeah and our thoughts affect our our biological system and vice versa i mean it's, it's and so you can go into a downward spiral yourself and or you can go into a downward spiral of conflict with someone or you can choose to go into an elevating where you just keep peeling away the layers of the onion and embracing more and more the shadow self, the the not just the idealized self, but the whole person. Yeah. And and I find because I've worked with so many senior leaders from like every sector all over the world, that the difference between highly highly competent executives and great leaders always turns on their degree of self awareness. That is the beautifully put. To which, yeah the degree to which they know themselves, they know their weaknesses, they're willing to be vulnerable and say, I don't know about that, you know, in, in front of their team, it's more likely that their team will trust them when they speak 
with authority about something because they're admitting when they don't know something. Mm, or it's so counterintuitive, but yeah, no, I know exactly. I agree. That's amazing. Yeah. Love how you, from your level of experience that you're stating that that's really powerful. It gives everyone permission to own it. Exactly. I mean, it's like what Brene Brown and all of her work on vulnerability has been about, you know, really mm -hmm. like it, it's your, it's, it's your greatest power. Mm -hmm. Like your, your deepest hurt is your greatest power. That's and, great. and this, and the same thing, like your greatest power also has its, its shadow side. So mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. you know, there is no, it, it, what we're doing in life. And I know what you're doing very much through your work is trying to find equilibrium, Absolutely. equilibrium within ourselves, equilibrium in our relationships, equilibrium between our work and our and our home life mm -hmm. and, and 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 it's it's um it's not like you ever get there <laughs> because it's it's iterative it's circular it's cyclical you go through different stages you get more connected you 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 step back you lose it you remember it you forget it you remember mm -hmm. it you it, it it's just we have to be conscious. I mean, the, the, the first step is being conscious, being mm. aware, self-aware and conscious. And then you have a chance of dealing with whatever it is that's holding you back, that's making you sick, that's making you off kilter. And this is a really interesting topic, uh, specifically because a lot of the yogic background that I have, as well as the theological and, and, and religious background I have, you know, leads towards always the aim of oneness. And, mm -hmm. and, and we're, we're taught in all of these different, you know, avenues I've taken that anything other than that is mm -hmm. an illusion. Mm -hmm. And I oftentimes ask myself at the beginning of the day, you know, when I do my, whatever you want to call it, meditation, prayers, you know, <laughs> my morning ritual, um, anything that brings me away from oneness, um, you know, please bring it to light so that I can, you know, that I can heal that. Because essentially that is the moment when we disconnect, isn't it? When we realize there's, when, when we identify or that we act out the separation. I, I don't know if I'm saying it uh, No, correctly. you're saying it beautifully. You're saying it beautifully. It, it, it's really true. Um, you know, there's, there's been a more attention recently on something called intergenerational trauma. Right, because yeah. Because not only... It's not only everything that's around us, it's everything that came before us, it's everything that we're carrying in our DNA, it's everything that we're carrying genetically, it's everything that, that you know, has been passed down through generations. And we are all so deeply connected to all of that. And, and, um, and I too find yoga an incredibly, centering grounding practice to bring me back to myself like you know I faithfully go to my yoga classes mm. and if the little voice in my head says oh you're too busy you've got too many deadlines today you can skip yoga <laughs> thankfully I have another voice that goes if you're saying that 
you need to get to yoga today more than ever. <laughs> and it gets dark so early in November. In Switzerland, it's like dark at like 3 34 o'clock. It's so crazy. And so it's kind of like, oh, I should be home like, making dinner. Overhead and light, which is reflecting a little bit in my glass because there's no outside light. It's dark. It's yeah, black out. It's so dark. <laughs> in November, I used to like get like not depressed, but I was like, oh my gosh, it's just like the light. It's all good. Um, but so this is this leads me to the next thing because you've got four stepchildren or you know, children and, and, and six grandchildren. So, you, you know, you've got your business, you've got your appointment um, with the educational institution. I don't know if it's a university. I think it is. I am the business school in Lausanne. Yes. And um, so I'm just curious how, how, you know, was it yoga that helped you to balance it all? Like what, what did you, what tools have you used or do you use to, to keep, keep the balance? This is such a rich conversation. I don't really want to divert over here, but um, no, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, yoga is definitely one of the, um, the tools, probably the simplest tool and is breathing. Yeah. No, but it's, you it's know, because the, also I the fastest. I really wound up. I'm, yeah. I'm like a type driven personality. I can get so wound up. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> And I can also get super depleted because I give a lot. I, I, I take care of everybody and everything and I can yeah. forget to take care of myself. Sure. And just taking three deep breaths. Changes everything. You can do that anywhere. You can do that in your office. You can do that on a subway. You can, I mean, honestly, you can, it kind of just brings you back to like, okay, here I am now and here's everything. And you know, the proverbial on the airplane, why the airline steward says, put on your own oxygen mask before you try to help anybody else. Because if you're not nourished, if you're not breathing, if you're not healthy, then you're not able to help anybody else. That's right. Yeah. And so do, is that what you do when you're depleted? You you go to the breath or is there something else that I you do? I go to the well? breath. I, yeah. I, I, I do things... I mean, I have yoga. I have other things that are strictly for me personally, hmm. like getting my manicure. Aww, which is <laughs> not easy. To, it's actually not very easy to find a manicure in Switzerland. I remember trying. Yeah, I know. It's way more expensive than New York. That oh I my gosh. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> but, um, uh, taking a walk outside I, my, my phone has an alarm that goes off every day at 1.30 PM. Mm -hmm. And when it goes off in giant, and it keeps ringing until you know I, I answer it. Right. And in giant letters, it says walk. <laughs> so and, whatever you and do. And what that's saying to me is, you've been sitting at your computer or at your desk or whatever at meetings yeah. since 6.30 this morning. Mm -hmm. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. That means seven hours. Get your butt out of the chair, sit outside, doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, whatever, get outside, take a stretch. Um, so, and again, I don't want to dictate to anyone what they should do to renew themselves, because I think each person has to find their own renewal. For example, one of the things that renews me tremendously is at the end of a long work day, I love to like binge out on a Netflix series in my nice. PJs on the couch. Cool. Yeah, because I can like let go of everything and just get transported into another world. So there's no one right way no. for someone. It's running for someone else. It's meditating for someone else. It's watching Netflix. It's, but you just have to find what it is that brings you joy. 
like I'm in a co-writing group and we meet five mornings a week. It's, you know, on, on Zoom and um, we're, we're each writing our own book. And I love that. Um, Good for you. Yeah. And, and so doing the things that, 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 that um, whatever it is for you, find the thing that calls to you, find the thing that gives you pleasure, that gives you joy. Um, yeah. And you're absolutely right. And I think all of our listeners need to give themselves permission. And I think that's what I've noticed um, with this community of high performing women like you and me. It's like, you know, we want to get our to-do list done. We have this, this, this command of excellence for ourselves, our work yeah. and so on and so forth. And um, we don't, we don't really give ourselves permission. So, um, and it, it doesn't, I love what you said. It doesn't have to look any certain way. It could be reading a book. It could be binging on Netflix. Exactly. It could be, you know, um, as long as, yeah, as long as you're not doing something that's, you know, completely harmful right, right, right. <laughs> to unload. <laughs> no, um, no, no. Comedies, right. tear jerkers, things that make me, you know, <laughs> no psycho thriller murder. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just remember I was so angry um, after my divorce. I just had a lot of stuff I was processing and I used to go buy dishes from like the Goodwill and, uh, and I would, I would just like, you know, break them you know, on my chimney, right. you know, and I, that was like, that was a way, you know, that was extreme, ex- extreme measures yeah. for extreme situations. But some people um, use kickboxing for that right. kind of release of like, I tell people, look, you're carrying grief. You're carrying rage. If you're human, you're carrying grief, you're carrying rage. You got to find a way to let it out whether it's journaling, whether it's running, whether it's kickboxing, whether it's throwing those plates against the chimney, you've got to, you've got to express it because otherwise it's going to do damage to you. Mm. And while it lives in you, you're going to do damage to other people. Absolutely. Hurt people, hurt people. And uh, that's a fact. So we do, we have to find outlets for it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so motivated by the emotionally engaged embodiment practice that I'm involved in the last, I mean, I've been involved in yoga for 20, I don't know, almost 30 years. Um, but the, uh, the, 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 the idea of like the neocortex inhibitive movement that actually accesses the rage or the grief or the upset in the body and move it. Um, that is something that has just profoundly uh, influenced uh, my work, my own personal work in the last couple of years. It's just been really interesting. And I think that's why tribes have danced in grieving. That's why um, we see primitive cultures, you know, who really use dance and movement and sound, either singing or instrumental or both, um, you know, to, to, to celebrate and also to grieve. It's really interesting, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would call them origin cultures more than primitive cultures. Thank you. Because Thank you. They were that- not primitive ever. Thank you for that. I didn't have that word. Thank you so much for that. Cause as yeah. it came out, I thought that sounds like a power over context and that's not really what I mean yeah. at all. So yeah, thank I, you. I, I knew you didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, no, but I really appreciate that. Origin <laughs> cultures. I've actually never used those two words together. So that's new for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. My goodness. Because I feel like we could we go have on a and lot on. to learn from our origin elders. Oh we, gosh, they had a we lot have... of wisdom. They have a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Really I mean, there are Native American healers for whom so many people could benefit learning from them. So, you know, I, I, I think 
learning and mentoring is always a two-way street. It's not just like one person has the knowledge and passes it down. That's and so it's, the other. it's yeah. like young people. I, I, I'm so excited about working with young people. I've always loved me Isn't too. it thrilling? I oh, mean, they, I know they are so more so... about things that I'm clueless. Yeah, they're they're so switched on, and their radar of like what's real is really fine tuned, and they're yeah, so, so into the activism and and speaking up, and they're courageous. And I'm I'm totally excited about our future. I'm totally inspired. <laughs> yeah, my daughter's seventeen, <laughs> and. She, she and her, her friends, I mean, just the words, the things that, that they talk about, the words they use, the things they're interested in, how they question, you know, all these different aspects of what's happening globally. It's fascinating. It is. It is. There's hope. There's hope <laughs> <alive>. <laughs> and they've overtaken the baby boomers. So they are in majority now. I know. I know. And I believe in the power of the people. I really, really do. Oh my goodness. Um, I feel like we, I feel like there's so much more I want to talk about specifically around your findings, um, you know, in, in the solutions for, for connection, which I heard for you, I'm going to use different words, but common ground, like that awareness and that consciousness um, and that, you know, intentionality. Um, Intentionality is a good word. Being very, being conscious and then intentional. Yeah. And so if, if, if anyone listening wants to learn more about Nadine's work, she's written many articles uh, for Forbes. She's uh, authoring a book right now. She has Ted talk. I mean, she, you know, she can really learn more about, about her work and her, her journey. There's so much more to her. Um, and this has been such a the, the rich... simplest way is if, if you want to know more, you can go to my website, because.net. It's, it's because global consulting bringing causes to life. So it's because.net and, and there you'll find links to, you know, my, all my social media and, you know, it's really up to you, whoever's listening to this. If if you, if anything, we, uh, Helene and I said today resonated with you to be in touch with us because we're open to sharing and learning. Absolutely. The invitation is open. The door is open and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think for me, I first started thinking about this topic, of course, in that theological library when I was 18, just in New York City. But then after my marriage, you know, my marriage wasn't working out and I, I couldn't figure out how to connect. And I was so frustrated and concerned. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I found nonviolent communication, Marshall Rosenberg's work, which you may be mm-hmm. familiar with. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've been actively practicing that. My goodness, it's not easy, but uh, I've been actively practicing it for now, probably 12 years, maybe longer. And uh, You know, what you just said about not easy, I have to emphasize that. What we've been talking about is deceptively simple seeming. Very hard work, but work that is so well worth doing. It is. Because without doing the work, you're going to suffer more. It's true. And it's literally and, and life-saving. It's world-saving. It's life-saving. It's life-saving and world-saving at the same time. Yeah. I, I don't think say, that there's, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a Hasidic, there's something, if you save one life, you've saved the world. Mm. Wow. I'm just going to take that in. Uh-huh. 
Because I definitely exist inside of a context of not enough. And I've definitely saved lives. Definitely. And that's what means a lot to when you say that. Because I've, I've really never mm. thought that before. But that could that's be enough. You're, yeah. you're a healer. You're a healer. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Well, Nadine, thank you so much. Um, love to have you again. Because there's so much more I'd like to talk about. Especially when your book yeah. comes out. And... Um, and learn about the the direct work because I think a lot of people we can listen and hear on an intellectual level like oh yeah intentionality sure. uh, consciousness but what does it look like in application like that would actually yeah. be a really valuable conversation like what does the application of it look like because we all get into these sticky yeah. situations whether we're at the stoplight or the grocery store or gosh even in our families with uh, yes. all, all of the COVID conversations so um, uh-huh. you know how do we how do we connect even though we don't agree. And that's where yeah. I love to like look at a part two because that is that is something we all face every day and we struggle with. Yeah, yeah, and and um, it takes effort. It takes a desire. Um, but I can say it's so worth it. It's I mean just I feel like I have the richest life of anybody I know and. I don't mean that financially. <laughs> uh, I, my life is just so filled with um, loving connections that go in concentric circles out to people, some of whom I've never met, mm. but we've somehow touched each other. And that satisfies every hunger, doesn't it? Excuse me? It satisfies every hunger. It does. It does. I feel full. Full and fulfilled. And that's nice. I could not always say that, honestly. It's the word. So it's nice to be in a place to be able to say that and mean that and feel that. And it's something that I can't take for granted. I have to keep each day waking up and recommitting to this is who I want to be in the world. This is who I want to be for myself. This is who I want to be for my family Mm. and take action to embody that. Embodied presence, as you said earlier, embodied presence is such a remarkable state and it gives you more power than a million power bars. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nadine. Be well. <laughs> you too. Thank you for listening to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Please contact me if you're interested in cultivating more vitality at jennifer-helene.com on the contact page. If you know this episode would be of value to your community, please share it on all of your social media channels. Maybe you are a successful working mom who would like to share your story on this podcast. Please visit podcast.jennifer-helene.com backslash podcast-guest to apply. And you might know someone who would be an ideal guest. If so, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. I absolutely love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, 
To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team in getting the word out about how to realign humanity with purpose. Purposeful Ventures is a company that is helping moms succeed in revitalizing their lives, relationships, businesses, and health. Please join a more personal conversation by working directly with me, joining my private Facebook group or one of my programs. This is Jennifer Helene, and thanks for spending your precious time with me.